Hello, everyone, and happy New Year's Eve 2022. Or if you're already listening to this a little late, happy New Year 2022. Um, as always, this is my annual end of year goodbye 2021 episode. Since this podcast is all about pop culture and everything related to um, pop culture, movies, music, celebs, everything in that general pop culture bubble, um, I am going to be counting down my top 10 favorite series, movies, and songs of this year. I will also be talking about some of my favorite or most memorable pop culture moments of 2021. We're going to ring in the new year by saying goodbye to 2021 and the pop culture moments that defined it. I've got some special guests here that are going to be joining me later on in the show. They are also going to share some of their favorites with you. This is going to be the longest episode of the year, as it is each year. I'm very excited about this. Uh, I think you all are going to really enjoy today's episode. It's, you know, something I do every year. It's a fun one to, always a fun one to record. So, with that being said, let's just listen to this little pre-recorded ad so we can get straight into the episode. Here is the pre-recorded ad. All right, thank you so much for listening to that pre-recorded ad. As I always say, I know that as a podcast listener, it can be really annoying listening to ads, but as a podcast host, those ads are really important to me, so I appreciate you listening to them. Anyway, this episode is a party in itself, so let's get into it. The first segment of this episode is me counting down my top 10 favorite series of 2021. Um, These are television series or streaming series, just some great shows that I watched this year. Um, Later on in the episode, I will have some special guests counting down the favorite movies and songs with me. Then I will be by myself to end the episode talking about my favorite pop culture moments of the year so let's get into it favorite series first of all before I start with the actual list I want to say there are two series that I really 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 wanted to see this year that I just wasn't able to and they are on my watch list and I will be watching them as 2022 begins so that is Loki and Only Murders in the Building. I will be watching those especially because Only Murders in the Building has to do with a podcast if I'm not mistaken and Loki is you know connected to Marvel and I love Marvel oh as well as What If I have not seen it so those are three on my watch list that's why they're not on this list And then I want to shout out three other shows that didn't make the list just because they weren't my top 10, but they are great shows that I watched this year that I really did enjoy. So that is Control Z or Control Z. That's a Netflix series, really good series. Um, It just didn't make it to my list this year. It did make it last year for their first season. Head of Class, that is an HBO Max show. I really enjoyed it. Isabella Gomez, who um, played Elena on one day at a time was in it so a great show just not in my top 10 but I do recommend it as well and then two kind of reality series that just for I guess the mere fact of being reality series didn't really make it onto this list but Dancing with the Stars and Selena and Chef two shows that I really did enjoy watching this year so that's that now let's get into the real list starting at number 10 I have Pretty Smart which is a series from Netflix starring um two Disney Channel alum, so it's got Emily Osment and Greg Sulkin, who played Lily on Hannah Montana, and 
um, Mason on Wizards of Waverly Place. It's a great show. It's basically, it's very sitcom, comedy, very chill show, super quick binge. I believe I literally watched it all in one day. Um, so yeah, it's quick binge, great actors. Um, essentially, it's just about this really uptight girl that goes to live with her very not-so-uptight sister and her roommates. Um, there's a fun love triangle. There's lots of comedic moments. It's just a very light show. That might be why it's at the bottom of the list. Nothing in particular that I didn't enjoy about it. I actually really enjoyed it. Like I said, quick binge watch. Very fun. Um, the only reason it's not higher on the list is just because it is a little bit more of a lighter show, more for comedy purposes, and, you know, not too much going on. But I really do recommend it if you get the chance to watch it, if you're looking for something to watch. Great show. At number nine, we have Elite. So Elite is a show from Netflix, Spain. It's originally in Spanish. I watch it in Spanish because I understand Spanish, but it also has an English dub or English subtitles, depending on what you prefer. Um, this new season this year, in 2021, was their season four. Now, season four was a little bit different because this season one and two and three had like pretty much the same characters. A few more were introduced along the way. Um, but season four was pretty much almost all new characters. And then another thing about Elite is basically that um, every kind of season has to do with like a mystery, murder mystery or otherwise mystery. And, you know, after a certain amount of time, it's almost like, okay, how much is going to happen at that school, you know? Um, but so that's why it's a little lower on my list, mainly because I was very skeptical. Um, one of my favorite actresses slash singers, Dana Paola, her character was my favorite character, Lou, and she was no longer going to be on this season. I was just skeptical about other things. Um, when I watched the series, it was not bad. It didn't feel like elite anymore. It kind of just felt different. But with that being said, I did still enjoy the series. There was a great mystery. Now, again, for season five, I hope, I, I wonder how they're going to go about it because I do feel that mystery after mystery after mystery is kind of unrealistic. I get that, you know, certain aspects of the show are unrealistic, but I feel like if we kept, keep pushing mystery after mystery after mystery, it kind of gets to a point where it's like, okay, why hasn't the school shut down or, you know, whatever. So I did really enjoy it. It wasn't um, season one through three, definitely not the same vibe, the same, um, you know, I didn't like it quite as much, but with that being said, it was still a pretty good show, so it did make number nine on my list. Moving on to number eight, and this one might upset some people, and maybe might upset people that it's not higher up on the list. I do have some thoughts about it, but it is Gossip Girl, and I'm obviously talking about the 2021 reboot. I enjoyed certain aspects of it. I really enjoyed the, I believe it was the Thanksgiving episode, or was it Christmas? Well, actually, it might have been the Christmas episode, but I really enjoyed the episode where Blair's parents um, made an appearance. I thought that was a great cameo. If we couldn't have the main cast, I just thought that the cameos were great. We got Dorota, we got Blair's parents. Um, so yeah, it was a really great episode. Um, but the first part, the, so the season was broken up into two parts. The first part of the season seemed very repetitive. Um, it just seemed like we were getting the same plot over and over and over again. Basically, Julian and Zoya, who are sisters in the show, they kind of would like fight and make up, fight and make up. We're sisters, we're best friends, no we're not. So it did get really repetitive, which 
I didn't enjoy. But the second part of the first season, which is a little confusing, um, was actually very enjoyable. I was glad that they kind of strayed away from the same plot over and over. I did like when some of the side characters that weren't Julian or Zoya would kind of get their own plots. I wish we had seen more of that. Something I really enjoyed about the original Gossip Girl is that there was so many characters, but each character kind of had a plot, and we knew about their family life and kind of them and everything like that. So... Yeah, I wish the side characters in the new Gossip Girl had more of a plot. But with that being said, I really did enjoy it. Um, yeah, no complaints at all. Like, very enjoyable. Um, obviously, it's not the original Gossip Girl, but a lot of times with reboots, especially reboots of beloved shows like that, you know, it just happens. Next up at number seven, and this is going to be a little controversial because I know that for a lot of people, if they had to make their own list, this one would be at the top of their list, but I have WandaVision. So I really enjoyed WandaVision, and truly, I think this has been the year of Marvel, as you'll see through this list and my list of movies as well. Um, and I've always been a huge Marvel fan of the comics and of the um, shows now, and even the shows back when it was Marvel Television Studios, and of the movies and everything so um anyway number seven is wandavision um i liked a lot of things about wandavision i like that actually there is a comic run of wanda and vision where they're kind of domestic and kind of it's different from what we normally see i love the way the show was able to capture that um, essence of the series and kind of like this domestic kind of um, vibe that we don't normally see from Marvel. Um, I love the different decades and I think the fashion that they did throughout the show was awesome. Uh, I think this was also kind of the first, um, opening or the first kind of, um, uh, what do we say? Like the first step to the multiverse. I love Wanda's character in this and I've loved Wanda slash Scarlet Witch throughout all of Marvel and I love that in this series they were finally able to call her Scarlet Witch. I love um, Monica Rambeau kind of um, becoming a hero and we'll see her later on as well um, in the MCU. I love uh, Wanda having the dark hold and kind of um, coming into her powers as a witch and Agatha and then obviously Wanda goes through more loss because it's Marvel and some of our characters have to go through extreme loss and pain. So yeah, many great things about it. Honestly, the only reason it's this low on the list is really just because, um, just because the other Marvel kind of series and even the movies, but we're talking about series right now, just... I enjoyed them a little bit more and we'll get to that in a little bit but nothing I mean there's no reason for it to be this low other than just um it kind of kicked off the Disney plus series it was great um and I think it was kind of like the trial in a way for those series so there were series that I liked more and we'll get to that but um otherwise honestly I mean Marvel does not miss I honestly can't say that there was anything of Marvel that I didn't enjoy this year and I think WandaVision was definitely that first very enjoyable thing I did talk about it before my podcast I enjoyed watching it I kind of got it because of the comics though I do think that maybe Marvel fans who aren't familiar with the comics or who maybe aren't even like hardcore Marvel fans and maybe just enjoy superhero movies or shows definitely might have been a little bit confused or disappointed with um 
the series but for me personally I enjoyed it um and it wouldn't be on this list if I didn't enjoy it so that's all I have to say about that moving on at number six we have Love Victor so season two came out this year um Love Victor is kind of a spin-off of the movie Love Simon it's um this story about a boy named Victor and his family and um you know he's got his best friend Felix and his sister Pilar and then um uh, he's kind of coming out as gay and finding a relationship and all this stuff and there's like a love triangle in this season and one thing I really liked about season two compared to season one is that season one was originally created for Disney plus so it was a little bit more um like PG a little bit more kind of working around certain things and then they moved it to Hulu but season one had already been created once it was moved to Hulu but for season two they knew right off the bat that it was going to go to Hulu so they were able to deal with topics a little bit more maturely and kind of not have to dance around certain subject matters and I really enjoyed it I also love I think this year particularly in movies but also in tv shows was the year of Latino representation and being a Latina myself it's beautiful to see um Latino protagonists and um for example in this show we have you know the the main family is Latino and we see kind of um, them speaking Spanish and the mom going to church and certain beliefs and stuff that's really nice that the 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 story itself doesn't have to revolve around them being Latino which is always great too but it can just be a regular story and show that like hey um Latinos have stories to tell that are relatable we're not all just like our stories don't just revolve about, around us being Latino, but I love that that can be a kind of sub topic of the series in a way. Um, and in general, I yeah, I just really enjoyed season two. Obviously, whenever you get a love triangle, that's always great. Um, I think it makes the show more interesting, and I love how they did this particular love triangle that I'm not really going to spoil much, but um it's not too cheesy or overdone sometimes a love triangle can be like not wanted kind of like I see it and I'm like oh here we go again the same trope but in this situation I really do love the love triangle that they have and it feels believable and I'm excited to see what they do with season three I think um Hulu originals are very underrated but this is one that I definitely think it's worth giving a watch if you haven't already at number five, and it is kind of low on my list, it is top five, but compared to like last year's list and whatnot, we have High School Musical, the musical, the series. Now, there were some things I really enjoyed about this season. There were, um, you know, a few good things. Obviously, Olivia Rodrigo is always a favorite. Um, I enjoy that she wasn't, her character Nini wasn't cast in the lead of the musical. I like that... Um, they introduced some guests. I particularly enjoyed Derek Huff because I love Dancing with the Stars and I think he's amazing as well as his sister Julianne Huff. I also love that Jordan Fisher got to make a cameo in this season because I know he really wanted to be on the show and Jordan Fisher also amazing. I love some of the music. I love the Rose song which was written by Olivia Rodrigo. I love um, A Dancer's Heart which Sophia Wiley sings and I also love um, Second Chance which is sung by the four main protagonists of the show. Olivia Rodrigo, Joshua Bassett, um, uh, oh my goodness, Sophia Wiley, and Matt Cornette. Sorry, lost train of thought there, lost, forgot their names for a second. Um, so yeah, great music, great moments, great cameos. Um, what I didn't like is that this second season, 
it no longer felt like High School Musical, the musical, the series. It just kind of felt like a High School Musical, not High School Musical, if that makes any sense. I really wish they would have done High School Musical 2 for this season's musical. On the one hand, I do understand why they didn't, but on the other hand, I feel like that is the premise of the show and the kind of nostalgia and High School Musical itself is what kind of drew in fans. Um, So I'm a little disappointed they didn't really do much with High School Musical 2. They also promised that they would still sing songs from High School Musical 2, but the only songs we got were literally in the first episode, which was Bet On It and then kind of a medley of all the songs. I really wish that the songs would have had their own moments. Um, we got a cover of The Climb, which Joe Serafini did in one episode, and I feel like that would have been a perfect moment to do a cover from High School Musical 2. I love The Climb and I love the cover. I just think that in terms of plot, I would have preferred to have seen a song from High School Musical 2. I think the cast is great. I just think that the writing itself and the plot fell short a little bit this season. They also did incorporate at least, I mean, three more, like, student characters so they incorporated Oliveros Keegan um and I completely forget her character's name but they included her they included Roman Banks as Howie um which I did enjoy his character because it did give Courtney slash Dare Renee a little bit more of a character arc um they also uh, added Andrew Bart Feldman who I also forget his character's name. Um, But I just wish instead of adding more characters, they would have developed the other characters a little bit more. I would love to see stories for, you know, Courtney and um, Big Red and Carlos. And, you know, they they have stories, but I feel like they're not developed enough. So I really would have liked to see that a little bit more. Um, But overall, it was still one of my favorites. I love the show. I love um, Olivia Rodrigo and Sophia Wiley. I think they're great actresses, and I think um, everything they've done is kind of really great. So um, I am excited to see what season three brings. I hope it's a little bit more season one. I know it's going to be a summer season. I also know that the musical they're doing is Frozen, so I'm a little disappointed. I thought maybe season three would go back to High School Musical, which it's not. But we'll see what happens. I hope at least, if nothing else, I believe season three is going to revolve around like a summer camp. Maybe they'll do a cameo of a High School Musical cast member, maybe like Ashley Tisdale or somebody, and they could come back kind of as um, a guest, kind of like um, maybe like a camp counselor or something like that. That would be really cool to see. At number three... I'm sorry, we're on number four, aren't we? At number four, I have um, iCarly, obviously the 2021 reboot. And I have to say, I am always very skeptical when it comes to reboots or spinoffs or anything of the sort. Um, For example, we talked about Gossip Girl, and while the series was good, it didn't feel like it lived up to the hype or the expectations of the original. And iCarly actually did live up to the hype and the expectations of the original I absolutely loved I think one thing that they did right is that even though it was originally a kid's show and it was originally Nickelodeon I love that they grew with their audience and even though it still feels kind of um family oriented kind of appropriate kind of pg they also have these heavier not heavier necessarily but these more mature storylines and we hear them not hardcore cussing but they can say a few things they could have say before on the original iCarly i love kind of this story of carly kind of going back to um 
videos and kind of, I guess now it's like YouTube and kind of having to figure out the new technology and whatnot. Obviously, I do miss Sam, who was played by Jeanette McCurdy, but it's um, understandable that she didn't want to return to acting. But I'm so glad we got Spencer and Freddie back. And I do love the new additions of characters as well. Each week, I really did enjoy watching the episodes. I thought they were funny. They were lighthearted. It was something just nostalgic, but in a very, like, um different way if that makes any sense in a way that was not disappointing that really just hit the mark and we did have some um, cameos some guest stars as well from the original which I thought is really cool I just think that as far as reboots go this show really hit it on the nose it feels like the old series but it also feels like it grew up with us and I think yeah just everything about it is just what a reboot should be it's um it's just great. Honestly, I, I don't know what to say much about it. Um, like I said, it's lighthearted. It's fun. It's more sitcom-y, more kind of like the shows you would watch when you were a kid, but now for a more mature audience. So yeah, it's really, really great show. I love that, um, you know, they didn't make it too childish. For example, That's So Raven, um, when they got their spinoff Raven's Home, they kept it on Disney Channel and they kept it for kids. So it kind of, felt immature or just not what the audiences wanted to see so with this show with iCarly I love that they kind of grew with their audience but kind of still kept it like what it was intended to be originally coming in at number three we have Falcon and the Winter Soldier um I like I said I absolutely adore everything that Marvel did this year I have always thought that Anthony Mackie and um Sebastian and Stan are a great duo. I've also always thought that um, the Winter Soldier and Falcon are a great duo. So I think that this series was really fun. It had a lot of the things that Marvel's known for. A lot of great stuff. It had the lighthearted, funny moments. It had um, the action sequences. It had a little bit of mystery. Um, and I personally just loved seeing... Um, one, the effects of Endgame, which is something that we saw pretty much in everything Marvel did this year. And two, I loved seeing um, Falcon, um, I love seeing Sam Wilson take on that mantle of Captain America. It was really cool to see a black Captain America and to see what that meant for the character. And it was really powerful and impactful and I think something maybe that the world needed um, in this day and age. So I really enjoyed it. I don't have too much to say about it because it, it would be really difficult, I mean, for anything Marvel to kind of encapsulate it into um, words. But if you've seen the series, I think you know what I'm talking about. And I just really think it was something necessary and it's something great. Um, and, you know, there's two shows higher up on this list, but really all the top three series and specifically two of them in the top three are Marvel shows. Um are just amazing and like I said Marvel hit it on the nose this year this was the year of Marvel I think this might be the most content we've ever gotten from Marvel in a year I also know that like post pandemic we haven't we haven't really gotten much Marvel content so I really love these Disney plus series I think they're a great way to kind of get to know the characters better I love that we got to see as well a little bit of um Sam's family in the series I think sometimes um when it comes to a movie, you don't get to learn much about the hero outside of being a hero. You don't get to learn much about them as a person. Whereas in these series, we get to learn more about them as people. We get to learn 
about their lives aside from being heroes, which is something really cool and something I particularly enjoyed about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And yeah, just aside from that, I did love as well um, the return of Zemo. I loved the return of Sharon Carter, and I loved um, where they're taking the story and what seems to be happening. I don't really want to give my theories right now. I could do a whole episode of Marvel theories, but I love this kind of um, secret double agent, hero, villain, who knows kind of thing. So overall, really great um, and definitely very enjoyable and I recommend watching it if you haven't already. Now at number two on the list, I have Never Have I Ever and this third, third, I'm sorry, second season, I feel like we've already had three seasons. This second season this year was great. First of all, this series, and I might have already told the story on my podcast before, but I'm going to tell it again anyway. Um, I told my best friend to watch it and this was during season one and she said, eh, I don't really feel like watching it. It doesn't look good, whatever, right? And I'm like, okay, whatever. Then I told my sister to watch it and same thing. Oh, it doesn't look that great. I don't want to watch it, whatever. Then this year, both of them decided to watch it, not because of me and not because of each other. They just both happened to watch it this year and they got hooked on it and they were obsessed with the second season. Um, I think the show is just really good. It's like a teen, young adult show, very entertaining. Um, I think one of my favorite things about the series is that the main character, Davy. Um, kind of never does anything right, basically. She makes horrible decisions, um, and not on purpose, just, like, she just is terrible at making decisions and doing things, and I love that because usually a protagonist, a main character, um, is portrayed as, like, perfect or having it all together, and I like that she's not, especially being a high schooler, like, what high schooler really has anything together, you know? So I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the love triangle of season two, the... Ben versus Paxton and there was a lot of drama and I personally and spoilers if you haven't seen it I personally was always team Paxton team Paxton but in season one a lot of people that I know were team Ben he seemed like the better choice but um I'm so glad that in the end Davey ended up with Paxton and I think um it was maybe the unexpected thing but I really enjoyed it um it was another one of those love triangles that didn't feel like another just like, oh, here we go again with the love triangle trope. It just felt like well done and it really had people divided and you were rooting for either one or the other and it didn't feel like, you know, sometimes you're like, ugh, I don't like either person or ugh, this love triangle is not worth it. Whereas I feel like this love triangle was done really well to where people were very much divided. Like I said, I love Davy as a character. I love... um you know, kind of the side stories that happened this season as well. Her mom kind of got a plot. We got a little bit more of a plot with Paxton um, as far as their own characters, aside from Davy. So that was really nice to see. And then, of course, it's always nice to see some representation um, other than a white main character. So Davy is um, Indian, and it's really cool to see characters that are not white main characters. Um and yeah, overall, I just really enjoyed the second season. I enjoyed the first season, but I think the second season uh, really had me on my toes, really had me um, feeling all sorts of emotions. Uh, I know my friend and my sister were both feeling the same way. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens with season three. We kind of got not a heavy cliffhanger at the end, but we got a little tiny bit of a cliffhanger. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens in the next season. Um... 
next up at number one on the list um and honestly i didn't expect this to be number one going into the series but now that i've completed it hawkeye is my number one series of the year and maybe it's just fresh in my mind but i don't think so i think it really is my favorite series of the year i think this really encapsulated everything that marvel is um it's comedy and it's um action and it's all sorts of good things and i love the introduction of new heroes that we've been getting from marvel kate bishop one of my favorite heroes i absolutely adore her Haley steinfeld knocked it out of the park um you know i love um spider-verse and i love her as gwen or at least the voice of gwen and i think her as kate bishop is absolutely amazing like this girl is just meant to be a superhero she absolutely kills it um I love all the kind of Easter eggs and stuff. By the way, the series is fairly new, so before I go on, there will be spoilers in case you haven't seen it, but I love all the Easter eggs. I love um, kind of the hint that um, Laura Barden, which is Clint Barden's wife, it was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I hope we're going to get a story of how they met and her as an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Um, I love kind of the story of Kate's mom kind of actually being a villain and the introduction of Kingpin. Um, We know now that he is in the Marvel Universe and so is Daredevil, so that's kind of a cool crossover. Um, I love that it's also like a Christmas kind of holiday series, which is kind of fun. Um, I don't really think we have, I mean, technically speaking, I guess you could say that we do, but I don't really think we have any like Christmas Marvel content so this was pretty cool um I just think I love Kate as a hero I love Clint kind of guiding her but also like not wanting to guide her for a while um and Yelena oh my goodness um I'm so glad that aside from Black Widow we got more Yelena content this year Yelena and Kate are an incredible duo I love the scene when they meet and when Yelena's in Kate's apartment I love the kind of last episode and all this moments they have together um really really just great I also love the moment with Yelena and Clint kind of at the end of the last episode where um she's about to kill him and he kind of does the whistle that was Natasha's whistle and they have that moment and it's so emotional for her and you can literally see the anger and the hurt and um just her missing her sister in her eyes and I think that's a great scene Florence Pugh is amazing as an actress Haley Steinfeld um Jeremy Renner they all do incredible um and I'm really excited to see the future of Kate Bishop I the one thing that disappointed me is I really thought in the last episode we were gonna get a Spider-Man appearance in his new suit and everything um I can see why that didn't happen, especially with No Way Home having just come out. I I see why it didn't happen, but I also feel like Kingpin and New York and everything was leading up to Spider-Man, so that was the one little kind of disappointment that I had with the series, but otherwise, I mean, it was phenomenal. I like, I, I mean, obviously based on this list, my favorite Marvel series of the year, they really hit it out of the park. Like I said, I love, we got a classic Avenger, which is Clint Hawkeye. We got a new kind of hero, which is Kate. And then we got Yelena, who we already kind of met, but we get to further her story and learn more about her. And I just loved everything about it. And obviously the introduction of Kingpin, I'm repeating myself already, but um, I love that we now have him in the MCU as well, because he's kind of a vital villain. 
in Spider-Man and in several other of the Marvel comics. So it's really cool um, what they're leading up to. At least, obviously, we don't know for sure, but the theories of what Marvel is leading up to. And I'm very excited for what's to come next year with Marvel. If that was this year, wait till next year, you know? Um, So yeah, that is my favorite, top 10 favorite series of this year. All of them hit it out of the park. Um, I really enjoyed all of them. Obviously, I think I was a little harsh on maybe some of my bottom ones. But um, in general, I really did enjoy all 10 of these series that I mentioned. Um, And we're going to move on. Um, Let me grab my guest and I will be back. All right, so to kick off today's episode, I have a guest here with me. It's my Uncle Mark. He's been on the show before, and he's going to help me rank the top 10 favorite movies of this year. You want to say hello? Hello, Dr. Vibranium here. Yes, if you watch my YouTube channel, you would get the reference. Anyway, um, do you have 10 movies? I have nine. So we were talking, and we've determined that we kind of I mean I guess because of the pandemic and just other things we didn't watch that many movies this year so I before we even start on the list I'm gonna give a shout out to some movies I wanted to see this year and haven't seen yet they are on my watch list but Encanto, West Side Story, House of Gucci, Venom, Spencer, Sing 2, Tick Tick Boom, and Dear Evan Hansen I'm sure that if I had seen those some of them would be on my list so just a shout out to those and since you are my guest you get to go first with your number nine movie. My number nine, I guess what would have to say, Raya and the Last Dragon. I mean, the premise was good. The storyline was good. You know, it's just the fact that it was an animated movie, maybe, for me, I guess. But still, I guess I would have to start there with the with the Raya and the Last Dragon. All right. And for me... I'm starting at number 10 because I there was one film that I saw this year that you didn't, and that's actually my number 10, which is Cinderella, the new one with Camila Cabello. I was really excited to have a Latina Cinderella, and I was, um, you know, excited to see. The, obviously, there's been so many Cinderella remakes. I wanted to see it. It was great. There were some good covers, but just in terms of all the other movies on this list, it kind of fell short. It was an Amazon Prime original, so, you know, expectations couldn't have been that high. But with that being said, it wasn't a bad movie. It's just not necessarily necessarily at the top of my list so what do you have at number eight i have to admit number eight i love the rock but jungle cruise is my number eight um it was kind of a uh cross between an indiana jones movie and something else that i can't quite put my finger on but the storyline to me is kind of what it seemed like the comedy was meh but um but nevertheless, I mean, the action scenes were good. I mean, Disney produced it, so you know that the CGI on it was going to be, you know, pretty decent. But uh, that would be my number eight. And my number nine is actually the same as what your number nine was, which is Raya and the Last Dragon. I love a good Disney movie, a good Pixar movie. I don't think it necessarily had to do with the fact that it was animated. I just think that in terms of Disney movies, there was better Disney movies this year. Um, and I'm not too sure. I can't put my finger on it. I loved Aquafina voicing um, the dragon. And there was some great aspects of it. But just it, it fell short. And so it did kind of reach the bottom of my list. Now at number seven, what do you have? I have Cruella. Um, great prequel story. 
Uh, I love the background on it. Good comedy, uh, good storyline, great actors. So uh, that's my eight. Was say or seven? That was your, let me see, your seven. My Now I'm moving on to my eight. So my eight was Luca. It was the new Pixar movie this year. Um, it, uh, it was delayed because of COVID, and then it came out on Disney+. Plus. My sister's actually the one who convinced me to watch it. Uh, there was nothing inherently wrong with it. I actually pretty much enjoyed it. Just like Raya, it just kind of felt a little bit short for me. It is one that I would watch again. I don't know if I would necessarily choose to watch Raya and the Last Dragon again, but I definitely would choose to watch Luca again. Um, and in terms of movies this year, I really enjoyed it. In terms of Pixar movies, though, when I compare it to some of the others, it's not my favorite Pixar movie, but it did have a great plot. It was um, a little bit more of a lighter watch and just something fun and easygoing. So that's always a good movie to watch. So now we're at your number six. Yes, my number six would be Coming to America 2. Um, it was a good follow-up, but... Not the best follow-up. I think the storyline could have gone a little bit different, maybe in an even different direction, and uh, and would have been a better turnout. Um, the whole storyline of the royal succession and whatnot, uh, you know, was was, was neat. But um, but and the comedy was okay. I think it could have been a little bit better. But it was a good comeback for Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. And uh, overall, you know, that's why it landed at my number six. That's another one I didn't see this year. I need to maybe watch that one. My number seven is a Netflix movie, actually. It's To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Always and Forever, Laura Jean. It is the third film in the To All the Boys series. I actually met the stars of this movie while they were doing promo earlier this year for it. Lana Condor and Noah Centineo. So it was really cool to actually get that experience and talk to them through Zoom and kind of hear a little bit more about the movie in terms of the the trilogy i think this movie was maybe not my favorite in the trilogy but it did give a nice closing to the story um it is a netflix original so you know sometimes they're good sometimes they're not they're a little hit and miss but this one was pretty much a hit the only reason it's so low on my list is because i've already or i'm hear me and yeah so there wasn't anything particularly bad about it, but you'll hear me say throughout this episode that this was the year of Marvel, and it truly was the year of Marvel. So that's the only reason some of these other films fell a little short compared to Marvel movies, which I'll get into in a bit. So what was your number five? My number five was Eternals. I thought the lineup of actors was incredible, uh, which I think was part of the reason why I was expecting so much. Um, but at the end... Um, it lacked a little bit more of the action. Uh, you know me, I'm into big action thrillers and, you know, lots of uh, uh, scenes in there. Um, and this one was kind of a little lackluster in there, but overall okay. I'm not too familiar with the background storyline, but I followed along pretty okay. And I thought, uh, and I liked it overall, but it could have used just a little bit more oomph. And my number six was actually also Eternals. And yeah, there was a lot of big names, Gemma Chan, Sadma Hayek, a great cast, very diverse. I love that they had a deaf character as well as just like a very diverse cast. Um, but it did fall a little short for me, and I've said this before, Marvel origin stories, like the first movie and 
um, a trilogy or however many films, for example, like Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, The Big Three, all of their sequels were better than their origin stories, and I think it's just because the first movies are usually more introductory, so yeah, Eternals fell a little short for me. Marvel nailed it with everything this year. I wouldn't say I didn't like Eternals. I would just say in terms of the other Marvel films this year, Eternals is a little bit lower on my list. So what do you have at number four? Are we on four? My number four would be Shang-Chi. Uh, great action sequences. Uh, pretty decent storyline. Um, was, uh, was only familiar with the, enough of the actors in it because of uh, other movies that they came out in previously. Uh, and but and yeah, so that's why I have them at my number four. And my number five, our lists are very in sync, is actually also Shang-Chi. And I enjoyed the film. Nothing wrong with it. I loved it. I think I'm going to enjoy seeing Shang-Chi as a hero throughout the next Marvel films. Like I said, another introductory film. I do think this one just kind of hit it a little more than Eternals did. But overall, I truly did enjoy it. And I'm ex- like I said, I'm excited to see the future of Shang-Chi in marvel and it was a pretty good film like i'm not gonna lie i enjoyed it thoroughly so what do you have we're getting to the top three for you what do you have at number three great action great storyline just the right amount of comedy in it and i'm gonna stick with my uh, marvel list and i'm going with black widow all right awesome so my number four is actually Corella. i had low expectations for this movie just because as you all know i've been very vocal on this podcast about reboots and uh any kind of like spin-offs and stuff so i was a little skeptical about a prequel and i wasn't too sure if i was going to enjoy it or what was what with it but i actually really liked what they did i liked that they made it a prequel i like that it was something unexpected, especially for being a Disney Plus original. Um, I think this might be the best Disney Plus original movie that they've ever done. I love the fashion throughout the film. And overall, I just think they did a really great job with it. So we're getting to the top right now for you. So what is your number two movie of the year? Believe it or not, I've all of a sudden turned to uh, favor certain musicals. And so as such, my number two is In the Heights. Great storyline, awesome, awesome actors, uh, and the the music, the uh, just the whole idea, you know, the Hispanic heritage, you know, the Latino movement. That's why I have it at number two. And for me, I'm going to go ahead real quick and do my number three and two real quick so that we can reveal our number ones at the same time. So my number three film is Black Widow. Definitely one of my favorite things Marvel did this year. I'm so glad that Black Widow finally got her story, her film, much deserved. I thought it was a great balance of comedy and action. And I think a lot of people had some low expectations for this film. Partly because the main hero was a female, in my opinion. That's why people had low expectations. But it exceeded all of my expectations. I love the introduction of Yelena. I love the end credit scenes, which I won't spoil in case you haven't seen them. Um, and I think Yelena is going to be a great character throughout the MCU. And who knows, maybe we'll have Natasha back at some point. And anything's possible with the multiverse. At number two, I have In the Heights. I absolutely loved the Latino representation. I got my whole family an early screening of the movie. We saw it a month early. It was delayed due to COVID, but the wait was well worth it because it truly was. It's one of my favorite Broadway musicals. I love what they did with the soundtrack. I love what they did with the film. Visually amazing. The choreography, everything about it, 
absolutely incredible. So what is your number one movie of 2021? The only one left, Spider-Man No Way Home. Tops, tops, tops. Yes, that is also my number one movie of this year. And I think maybe now my favorite Spider-Man movie. I'm excited for the movies that are to come next year. We're getting Into the Spider-Verse 2. We're getting Thor Love and Thunder. We're getting, um, uh, what else are we getting? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So lots from Marvel, but Marvel really hit it this year with No Way Home. I think it exceeded fans' every expectation. So yeah, absolutely hit it out of the park with this one. Um, yeah, I think Into the Spider-Verse used to be my favorite Marvel movie, and maybe the sequel will be, um, not Marvel, but Spider-Man, and maybe the sequel will become my favorite Spider-Man movie, but for now, I think No Way Home is my favorite Spider-Man movie. What do you think? Absolutely agree. And yeah, that was our top 10 favorite movies of the year. Stay tuned because I'm going to bring in another guest for some favorite songs in a second. But before I do that, is there anything else you'd like to say? Anything to kind of just say goodbye and maybe Happy New Year before you go? Happy New Year, everyone. Have a blessed and prosperous New Year. All right. Thank you all. And I will be back in just one second with my next guest where we're going to rank our top 10 favorite songs of this year. All right, so for this next segment, I have a special guest here. It is my sister, Risa. Say hello. Hi, everyone. And she has been a guest on my podcast previously for my New Year's episodes. So um, I'm excited to have her back. We're going to be counting down, as we've been doing this episode, our top 10 favorite songs of the year. I'm really excited to kind of share these with each other and um, just talk about the music we enjoyed this year. I think... Um, movies and series, for the most part, I mean, in some ways, are kind of a universal, not universal, but like a thing we all kind of enjoy the same things, whereas music is so individualized and unique to each person. So as always, we are starting at number 10, and um, do you want to go first or should I? Uh, I can go first. All right, tell us your number 10 song. My number 10 song is No Choice by Tame Impala. So not a lot of people know this song, Uh, Tame Impala is i would say pretty well known but this song was like not that well known from their newest album and i really just like the general vibes of it um you know a nice little indie song to relax to and yeah i liked it a lot all right at number 10 um this is the only song i have from a soundtrack as you guys already know i told you this um before but i have not seen west side story yet sadly i have not seen encanto yet either sadly so i don't have a lot of like musical soundtracks to go off of this year i haven't even seen tick tick boom but the one musical i did see this year was in the heights and i personally always love the broadway show um but i really enjoyed the movie as well i think all the actors did an incredible job not just acting but also singing so at number 10 i have alza la bandera from in the heights from the movie soundtrack um, I just think it was a really great song. Um, I think for me, it was kind of a turning point in the movie. It was a um, really great part, and I really just enjoyed I think it really encapsulated everything having to do with the movie and whatnot. So, yeah, overall, very enjoyable song. And, um, yeah. And actually, I'm sorry, I called it by the wrong name. I got really distracted right now. But it's actually called Carnaval del Barrio. I called it Alza la Bandera because they say that a lot in the chorus. But yeah, that's not the name of the song. But anyway, just really encapsulates the whole movie itself. And it's just um, 
a really fun song, upbeat. There was lots of music to choose from. I didn't want to put too many songs from a soundtrack on here, so I chose specifically what song I liked the most. So let's have your number nine. So my number nine is Something About You by Idress. And this song went really uh, viral on TikTok, but it was kind of just the chorus. And in my opinion, uh, it wasn't really the chorus. It was just like a certain part of the song. But in my opinion, um, that part of the song wasn't, like it didn't, it sounded different than the rest of the song. And I don't know. I just really like it in general. It's a really nice vibe. It's a really nice, you know, little something to listen to. Um, especially during the summer, I was listening to a lot. Alright, my number nine is No Time for Toxic People by Imagine Dragons. I think that Imagine Dragons' newest album this year really was underrated. I think not a lot of people really listened to it. I'm personally a huge Imagine Dragons fan. Now, with that being said, I would not recognize them if I saw them out on the street. But I definitely, um, I'm a huge Imagine Dragons fan and I love their music. And so this year, their album kind of, um, went under the radar a little bit. Maybe because of COVID or because other music was coming out at the same time. But I actually really enjoyed the song no time for toxic people the album was a little bit dark but the song is a little bit more upbeat it's really just a song you can vibe to it's more cheerful it has a totally different vibe from most of the songs on the album and i think that's what really made me like it uh, i highly recommend you go check out their album if you haven't already but specifically no time for toxic people is the song that i really enjoyed from the album i think the message of it and the lyrics in general are just really i don't know uplifting i guess i would say but I think just, I guess, being an Imagine Dragons fan, obviously I enjoyed it, but I think it's a very enjoyable song for everyone, really. So your number eight song? My number eight song was Easy On Me by Adele. So this was the first time in, like, I don't even know how many years that Adele re released a song and an album. Oh, yeah, I think it's, um, oh, gosh. Like, ten years yeah, or something 10. like that. I'm pretty sure ten. Yeah, like, I could years. be wrong, but... And she hasn't released music in, like, a really long time, and we grew up listening to Adele. Actually, I think it could have been five years, because didn't she do Adele 25? Oh, and yeah. this is Adele 30, I think. Don't quote me on that, people. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, we grew up listening to Adele, both of us, and I know we used to have, like, our little iPod, and we would listen to her 21 album, and we would listen to, like, Set Fire to the Rain and Someone Like You and stuff, which are kind of not the songs that you would expect like little kids to listen to but you and I would listen to it a lot I remember well I think they were just also really popular at the time yeah so I think it wasn't much of an age thing it just happened to be like those particular years you know yeah exactly and I don't know I just I hadn't heard a lot of her music in a while and I really think that this was kind of different than what she like used to the, the music she used to make but also like, it still matched her kind of vibe that she always goes for in her albums. And I really like this song a lot. Alright, my number eight is actually going to be a little shocking to everybody. I know for sure it's going to be a little bit controversial. Um, I think that if you know me and you know some of my favorite artists, you would expect this to be higher up on the list. Um, truly, there's no reason it's this low other than there's just songs that I enjoyed more. But at number eight, I have Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. And... Yeah, I know that's pretty surprising. Yeah, I was expecting it to be, like, much higher on your list. Yeah, I definitely, obviously, Olivia Rodrigo is one of my favorite singers. I think she blew up this year. I think Driver's License was kind of that song that everybody knew and that just kind of dominated the world. And I love the song. There's nothing against it. Like I said, there's just songs that I enjoyed a little bit more, especially Olivia's songs. I tried to not put her on here too much just because, obviously, I'm biased and I love her so much. But I didn't want the whole list to just be sour. 
Um, yeah, I was also thinking that, like, with my list, I only have one of her songs, and I was pretty much thinking about adding, like, every single song on Sour, but I knew that I probably shouldn't do that, so I had it in, like, a lot of the other songs that I like a lot. Yeah, like, honestly, if I made a longer list, I think I would have put every single song of hers, um, but, of course, because of, we're doing ten, we're sticking to ten songs, I only put uh, I think I have three or four of her songs on this list. But anyway, Driver's License, nothing wrong with it. I love it. It's the, pretty much the song that launched her into fame. I She was already my most listened to artist on Spotify before Driver's License, and I knew of her. But I know this is the song that kind of the world discovered her with. So obviously it's a great one. Obviously that's why it's on the list. But there are a few songs of hers that I liked a little bit more. And personally for me, I just like to like kind of throw this out there. I love a good upbeat song. I love... Um, more, you know, not so much sad songs. I love Driver's License. I could vibe to it. We would scream it across the house yeah. singing it. During quarantine, we would be, like, in our online classes, and we would just, like, scream to each other singing yeah, songs. Yeah, I mean, so obviously I love it. It's just that I think I've grown, especially over the last few months, to love certain other songs of Olivia's a little bit more, but we'll get to those in a little bit. Anyway, what is your number? What are we on? Seven? Seven, yeah. So mine is Levitating by Dua Lipa. So, I absolutely love this song. I remember when it first came out, I went to a dance convention, and they would not stop playing it, and they would, uh, we did a dance to it, and I think that was what made me grow to love the song, and obviously it went very viral, and a lot of people know this song of hers, but, um... It was just a really good song that I uh, liked TikTok. Too. It blew up on TikTok, too. It blew up on TikTok a lot. Um, um, yeah, I, I enjoy the song. I think um, it's a really fun one. Yeah, I think I listened to it a lot with my friends, and it was a good, like, party kind of song. Yeah, that's how I feel whenever I hear it. I'm mm-hmm. like, this gives party vibes. Yeah, like, dance to it. Yeah, like, you want to get up and dance, and I think Dua Lipa does that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um I have at number seven another Olivia Rodrigo song. You see, guys, I told you I could have put every single song of hers on here. I have Jealousy, Jealousy. I love this song. Um, it's one of my favorite Olivia songs. And like I said, I do love her more upbeat stuff. I love, you know, Brutal and all her other upbeat songs. But Jealousy, Jealousy, ever since I heard it, it kind of, I just love the message of it. I love the lyrics. I think it's different from some of the other songs on the album. Um, it's not so much about like a breakup or like sad. It's just, it's like upbeat. And obviously if you think about the lyrics, it could still be somewhat like sad or like angry, but I just love that it's a little bit more like upbeat in a way. Yeah. I think that, um, on her album, she made a lot of her songs like really relatable to your typical teenager. Um, and just, like, it really showing her emotion, and I think this is one of those songs. Yeah, and I think that song also is just relatable to people in general. Like, obviously, I'm not a teenager anymore, but oh, yeah, I think, like, anyone, especially these days, like, I would say millennials, like, younger millennials and Gen Z, just, like, growing up with social media and all those kind of, like, emotions that people feel. I think Olivia does a really good job of being relatable to people, and this song is relatable, but not so much in a sad kind of cry your eyes out kind of way it's more like a screaming at the top of your lungs way which I think most of her songs kind of are anyway but um yeah I just think it's a different vibe from the rest of the album but it's still relatable and it's got a good message and um I love that Olivia is able to kind of do all sorts of genres of music and kind of really nail them on the head every single time number six so my number six is wildest dreams taylor's version Yes, we stand Taylor's version. If you're not streaming Taylor's version, obviously I'm referring to Red and Fearless since we're waiting on the others. Um, What are you doing? Stream only Taylor's version. 
So the reason she released this was because it went so viral on TikTok and she didn't plan on releasing anything from 1989 until much later. And I'm so glad that she released this song because this was one of my favorites of hers when 1989 did come out. And I actually think that's my favorite album of hers that she has. Wow, really? Yeah. Wow. I actually, my faves are the ones that she just re-released. Not because she just re-released them, truly. My faves are Fearless and Red and Reputation, but that's another story. Oh, I, I love Reputation also, but I can truly say that 1989 is my favorite album of hers. And I was so excited when she released this. Um, and it doesn't sound that different from the original but, uh, like, a lot of her other ones, like, You Belong to Me was, um, kind of different than... Belong with me. With d- me. With me, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, that one sounded kind of different from, like, the original, but this one really didn't sound that different at all, and, um, I don't know, I really like it a lot, and, like, I meant, I keep mentioning, like, summery vibes, but this one was a very summery vibe for me, and it's just, it's a sweet little song, and I liked it a lot. All right, um, my number six. Are we on six? Yes, we're on six. Okay, I was like, what number are we on? Mm-hmm. Sorry, guys, I've been podcasting, like, all day. Anyway, my number six is also Taylor Swift, so we are sharing the same brain cell at this moment, obviously, um, but it is Mr. Perfectly Fine by Taylor Swift. That song is about Joe Jonas. How can you not love a song about a Jonas brother? Um, I absolutely love, well, I'll get to that in a second, but, um, it's the kind of the first vault song we got from Taylor Swift, and it was really, she dropped it kind of unexpectedly, and I remember that day I was, like, freaking out. I was like, Taylor Swift just dropped a song, and then I found out it was about Joe Jonas, and I was like, Taylor Swift just dropped a song about Joe Jonas? And so that was a really exciting day. And I love um, Sophie Turner, who's, in case you don't know, Joe Jonas's wife. I love that she put on her Instagram story, literally her jamming out to the song. I think it's so funny. I love that Joe and Taylor are now friends. A lot of exes don't remain friends. Um, Also, he got it off really easy compared to Jake Gyllenhaal, and we respect Joe Jonas. Um, I also just love the beat of it. It's very classic Taylor. Um... I almost wish she had, like, released it when Fearless was first released, but I'm so glad we got, like, the vault song, and, um, I love her her re-recordings for that reason as well. We get new songs, and, um, I'm hoping for Jonas Brothers and Taylor Swift collab in 2022 because they've kind of been hinting at it, so hopefully that is coming, but yeah, Mr. Perfectly Fine, great song, even greater that's about Joe Jonas, even greater that Sophie Turner loves the song, so what can you say? Now at number five, what do you have? I have Leave Before You Love Me by the Jonas Brothers. Ooh! And um, it's a really favorite a favorite song of mine. And when they sang it at um, the concert, because we went to the Jonas Brothers concert, I was like literally screaming at the top of my lungs. Obviously, I love all of the Jonas Brothers songs, and that's something that you and I share. But um, this one was really nice, and it was... I don't know. I liked it a lot. Um, I just remember, like, specifically in the month of June. That's really specific, but in the month of June, I was listening to this song almost every day, and I absolutely love it. All right, moving on. My number five is Butter by BTS. Now, I am not, like, a huge ARMY or BTS fan. I think BTS is great. Like, nothing against them. I just haven't listen to a lot of their music I heard you know uh fake love and dynamite songs that really went viral and this is another song that pretty much went viral on tiktok or just like on the internet in general but my best friend is a huge 
um, BTS ARMY and she absolutely got me hooked on this song. I remember all summer and also I would just go places and hear it. You know when you go to like a store or something or a restaurant and they're playing music, I would hear it all the time and I got hooked on it and I added it to my playlist and I kind of, I'm obsessed with it. It's just got such a good beat, a good vibe. It makes me want to dance. I sang it at karaoke with my best friend over the summer. It gives me like summer vibes but it's also just amazing. Um, the remix they did with Megan The Stallion weird duo but like i was here for it i just absolutely love butter um it really made me want to listen to more bts which i'm going to do in 2022 black swan is another great one i want to give a shout out to not on the list but bts has some great music but butter really for some reason especially in the summer like it really stuck with me and it was just something that i really enjoyed what do you have at number four at number four i have all too well the 10 minute version from red um taylor's version obviously oh and- of course <laughs> watch the short film too guys if you haven't seen it it is pure art it is perfection yeah i was just about to say that the short film i think is what really got me to love this song because obviously we all love sadie sink but it just told the story and everything and the song is really good um i listen to it whenever i have like a car ride because um you know like my school is 10 minutes away from my house maybe maybe a little less but i'll like be in the car like on my way to school and I'll be listening to all too well the 10 minute version of course and I'll just be like jamming out to it the whole way over to school and maybe if I like don't get to finish it by the time I do get to school I'll put my earbuds in and I'll be walking through the hallways listening to all too well the 10 minute version I absolutely love it and it's just a really good song to vibe to uh maybe scream at the top of your lungs too maybe cry to maybe laugh at you never know so there's a lot of emotions in this song and you know, I, I'm here for it. Yeah, we love Taylor. Um, at number four, I have Mia by Dana Paola. Um, maybe a lot of you have not heard this song. Dana Paola is a Mexican singer. I've talked about her so many times on this podcast. You might recognize her as Lucrecia on Elite or, you know, from other projects. But um, I adore her and her um, album that she released last year, K.O. or Knockout, um, it was nominated for a Latin Grammy this year. And then she started her new era kind of her new album and Mia was the first song on it and I absolutely love it I love the video her dog Lou who's named after her character from Elite came out in the video Uh, actually no her dog was in the Caprichosa video never mind ignore what I just said but uh the video was great (laughs) regardless she was on roller skates in the Mia video which was so cool it gives such good vibes um I loved her kind of um return to music album siete and this new era which is eventually going to lead to her new album in 2022 uh very much reminds me of it it's very like party very fun very latin pop and i adore mia i sing it all the time i love vanna all her music i probably could have 10 other of her songs on here but of course like i said with olivia although olivia did make it on here several times but um I didn't want to repeat the same artist over and over, but yeah, Dana, I'm obsessed with her, and Mia was my favorite song she released this year. What do you have at number, we're getting to the top three. This is an intense moment. Let's hear, what do you have at number three? I have Cold Heart, the PNAU remix. I hope I'm saying that right, PNAU. I don't know if it's Panau or what it is, but it's by Dua Lipa and Elton John. And it has, like, some of the... It's kind of like a remake. Oh, okay. I, yeah. When you first told me what songs were on your list, I didn't realize that it was this one. But, yeah, I love that song. So, fun fact about this song. And I always think about this moment when I'm listening to this song. Um, so, I was at the doctor's office, right? And I was getting a lab done. 
and um like blood drawn yeah like blood drawn I was getting blood drawn and I am terrified of needles and this was my first time getting like a lot of blood drawn so I was terrified and I put my earbuds in and I was listening to this song and I did not have Spotify premium and at the time I was somewhat annoyed with this song to be honest I was like oh I listen to this every day like I don't want to hear this right now but I couldn't skip because I was out of skips so I was playing while the doctor was drawing my blood and I, I can proudly say that Elton John was there um, in my brain at least, and I was, um, it was a really nice moment, because that, um, I don't know, for some reason, after that moment, I, like, was less annoyed with the song, and I liked it a lot, obviously, it's in my top three, and, um, yeah, I also remember, sorry, I also remember, um, listening to it at school with my friend, who's also a big Elton John fan, and we were in the library, and the librarian had to tell us to keep quiet, and it was really funny, um, so yeah, so good memories with this song is honestly what made me like it so much. Yeah, I feel like some songs, like, you just like them after a while because the memories associated with them, and I think that's the great thing about music. Yeah. Okay, so before I get to my number three song, I do want to say that my top three songs, truly, like, they're in a three-way tie for my number one song. You could really switch out these songs. You could say that number three is number one some days and number two is number three some days and, you know, mix them up because um, these are just three of my favorite songs from this year. Three songs that I definitely will continue listening to in 2022. Um, so yeah, just a disclaimer, these three songs that I'm going to mention eventually, you'll get to number two and one, but um, they could interchange. But anyway, at number three, I have Good For You by Olivia Rodrigo. I absolutely love Good For You. And actually, on my list, like literally right in front of me, I have it at number one, but at the last second, I decided to swap it. Um, so yeah, anyway, Good For You, number one some days, number two some days, number three some days. Um, but I adore it. It was my most listened to song on Spotify. Like I said, I love Olivia and I love her more upbeat stuff. Um, when Good For You came out, I just thought it was like a masterpiece. I thought the video was a masterpiece. I dressed as Olivia for Halloween in the Good For You video. Um, also, can we just say that Olivia is a fashion icon as well? But anyway, um, I just love Good For You. It's a song you, it's an angry song. It's like a song you scream at the top of your lungs, but you also want to party and dance to it. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's also like a very different genre for Olivia. I think um, maybe you could compare it to Brutal and maybe even Jealousy Jealousy. But the genre itself is something that's like very different for Olivia she's used to kind of like pop or like slower stuff and this is almost like pop rock it's really um a song that I just really enjoy yeah so my number oh wait are we moving on to number two yes we are moving on to number two I just kind of stuck the microphone in your face but um yeah number two song all right so my number two is Peppa's by Faruko um so I've never heard any of his music before actually but um, the first time I heard this song, I was at a party, my best friend's birthday party, and this guy was telling me, um, one of my friends, he was like, oh my gosh, this song is so good, and I was like, I've never heard it, and, um, he sent it to me, and I could not stop listening to it after that, it was so good, and, um, yeah, it's just a really good, like, party song, and then they also played it at my school's Halloween dance, and very good party song, um, just your typical, it, it's in Spanish, and I heard it a couple of times on TikTok. I wouldn't quite say it went viral, but I did hear it a couple of times. Um, so yeah, this song kind of, you know, blew up in the party like, realm. Realm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. 
Uh, number two for me, I have Remember This by the Jonas Brothers. I was fortunate enough to see the Jonas Brothers on tour this year. They Remember This tour, uh, which was amazing. And I just adore this song. I love both versions. Um, I'm not preferring one over the other. Both the original and the one they did for the Olympics this year in 2020. Uh, well, 20, I'm sorry, 2021, but it was the 2020 Olympics. And I love the both versions of the song. I love Remember This. Um, truly, I'll never forget that concert. And this song will always be what will make me think of it. Um, I also just love it, even especially now as the year comes to a close. It just think, It's like, remember this. Remember your memories. Remember everything that happened this year. Um, more so a little bit the NBC Olympics version, but either way, the song is just so upbeat, so good. I honestly, I don't even know why I don't have more Jonas Brothers songs on here, probably because they didn't release much music this year. Um, next year though, hopefully we're getting an album, but I adore the Jonas Brothers. They are my favorite band. I loved their concert. I'm obsessed. Nick, Joe, Kevin, and this song specifically, I think this was my favorite song of theirs that they released this year. They did release a few songs, um, hoping for a full album next year. But uh, if I had to choose one, this one is for sure it. And it's number two on my list. And it's the only thing that can really compete with Olivia and Vanna. So remember this. And what is, should we do a little dramedy roll? Dramedy, dramedy, dramedy roll. I hope you can hear that. Um, anyway, what is your number one song of the year? Um, so this is going to be kind of shocking because I feel like a lot of people didn't think this was my favorite song on Sour, but it is Deja Vu by Olivia Rodrigo. Ooh, the middle child of Olivia Rodrigo's singles. It really is, and... It got the middle child treatment, like, it was a little bit underrated, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was a little underrated, but I liked it a lot because I think it was probably the most, like, calm song on her... Um, on her album, and uh, um, um, like not, yeah, I get what you mean because it wasn't sad, but it wasn't like scream at the top of your yeah. lungs, yeah. And it was honestly, I liked it a lot. I mean, I like um indie music a lot, and I wouldn't quite say this is indie. It's not indie at all, not a little bit, but, yeah. <laughs> but it is a little slower, and it's a little more calm. And I like you know calm music. Um, I know my last song was literally an upbeat party song, but you know you get the vibes. So, um, yeah, I like this song a lot, and the whole strawberry ice cream thing, I love strawberry ice cream, that is my favorite flavor of ice cream, so, yeah, well, next to cookie dough, obviously. I mean, and this was just the year of Olivia Rodrigo, don't you think? It really was, and the video was also amazing. Oh, yeah, that video visually was very, um, I love just visually pleasing. Yeah, I loved the video, and it was very... I mean, I love all her videos, especially the Petra Collins ones, which I know I'm pretty sure Deja Vu was not one of those, but Brutal and Good For You were Petra Collins videos. I loved Brutal so much, specifically because of the ballerinas. Yes, I love the part. I know as dancers, we shouldn't love it, but where her ankle kind of rolls in on the point shoe, and it kind of, yeah, I love that. Anyway, all right, before I go into my number one, I do want to shout out a few songs that did not make the list, but if I was, um extending the list or to have a longer list i would include these so all too well the 10 minute version taylor's version of course you mentioned this one um but yeah that one i would have also included don't go yet by camila cabello i adore her i think she's great i love some good latina representation as i probably already said like 10 times during this episode um begin the monoskin um cover which is obviously not an original song but it was something they did this year i believe it was this year 
could have been 2020, but anyway, um, and then Summer of Love by Shawn Mendes, which is a good, like, chill summer song, and This Is Heaven by Nick Jonas, um, his, actually, Spaceman album was a little underrated this year, well, didn't make my top 10, but definitely worth a listen if you haven't heard it, and at number one, I have Traitor by Olivia Rodrigo, um, Traitor is just one of my favorite songs on the album, it's kind of, of the slower, sadder songs, definitely my favorite, um, it's so good, honestly. I I love... Olivia's a storyteller. Through her songs, she tells stories. And there's a lot of songs that are like, um, oh, you cheated on me, or oh, this or that. And her, she kind of spun it and did a twist of like, you didn't cheat, but you're still a traitor, and kind of told her story um, through her music. And like I said, this was the year of Olivia Rodrigo. 2021 was truly Olivia's year, and I hope she's still, like, thriving in 2022, which I know she's gonna be. But yeah, um, I think just Trader, like I said, it alternates. Some days good for you beats Trader, some days Trader beats good for you. It depends on my mood, and sometimes remember this is just like, sorry Olivia, back to the Jonas Brothers for a second, and sometimes then about that creeps in my top three as well. But I absolutely adore Traitor, um, and I think at least for this list, and at least if I had to choose one, Traitor is number one on my list. So, thank you for joining me today. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, is there anything else you want to say? It could be related to music, it could be a message about 2022, it could be something that happened in 2021, it could be whatever you want. Anything? I would very much like to shout out a couple of extra songs, um, because there were some that you mentioned that I just completely forgot about. Um... You mentioned Imagine Dragons and their new album, and you mentioned No Time for Toxic People, and I'm not going to mention that song because that one's just alright, but there's another one from their new album that I'm not going to say the name of because I don't remember it, but it went viral on TikTok, and I think it might be called Enemy or something like that. I believe so. Yeah, it's something like that, but I think you know which one I'm talking about. Um, so that one was really good, and then obviously Carnaval del Barrio, I literally mentioned this one in a school project, um from in the heights um and also honestly the whole in the heights soundtrack is so good the entire soundtrack was amazing um begging by monskin uh is another great I'm one i'm still not entirely sure that was 2021 i do think that was 2020 but I, yeah you might be right I, I do think it was 2020 but still it's so good we need to shout it out um and yeah and just all of red and all of fearless <laughs> yes also like i i didn't mention a lot of fearless or red just because obviously they're re-recordings so i mean yes there are new but like they're not super new if that makes any sense but like red and fearless are my fave taylor albums aside from reputation so anyway yeah. uh, anything else you want to say before we kind of let you go um thank you all for listening and yeah happy new year happy new year (laughs) um yeah all right so that was our top 10 favorite songs of this year all right so the last thing i have to do really quick is just my favorite pop culture moments of 2021 and i kind of figured like a few big moments that i'm just going to talk about really quickly so first of all Olivia Rodrigo, everything about her this year, obviously, um, that's not one pop culture moment. I wish there was a way way to kind of put it all into one, but she absolutely dominated 2021. This was her year. So everything she did from releasing driver's license to performing at the Brits and the Billboard Music Awards and 
uh, I'm sorry, not the Billboard, the MTV Music Awards and everything else she did. Definitely a fave pop culture moment, especially because I have been talking about her on this podcast for way more than a year. So I'm glad that the world kind of finally discovered her. And of course, it was a sweet ending for her to end with seven, seven Grammy nominations this year, which is absolutely insane. Then the second pop culture moment I love this year is obviously the Olympics. The 2020 Olympics finally happened, which was really nice because obviously it didn't happen in 2020 due to COVID. So it was nice to kind of have some normalcy and kind of see all these different countries unite for the Summer Olympic Games. And my personal favorite moment of the Games was when Simone Biles could not compete. So Miss Suni Lee took her place and Suni absolutely crushed it and won a gold medal. And it was an incredible moment. The next pop culture moment, which I loved this year, was the Met Gala. The Met Gala was back. I just love that so many things are back this year. Obviously, COVID is still happening. Please wear a mask and get vaccinated and do all of that. But the Met Gala was amazing. It was amazing to see all the celebrities gather once again. And I did, obviously, on my YouTube channel. And I talked about it here a little bit as well. Best dress, worst dress, and everything like that. It was so much fun to kind of just see all the different outfits. And then the last pop culture moment of this year that I loved was the rollout of the COVID vaccine and the COVID booster shots. I'm so happy. Obviously, these variants are very dangerous and we need to still be very cautious and wear a mask and wash our hands and stay home when we're able to and just be courteous of others. But I am glad that this year saw the vaccine and the booster shot and hoping this will put an end to the pandemic. Obviously, right now, things are kind of looking down again. Obviously, we're seeing these variants. But hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think that these vaccines and the booster shots are definitely helping us get to that light at the end of the tunnel. Now, I just want to end the episode with saying one more thing. As I was filming this episode, I'm sorry, recording it, um, I got the news that Betty White had passed away. Betty White is an absolute legend. So I just want to dedicate this episode to her and all the other people who passed away this year. They're always going to be in our memories and... Um, this episode is for them and it's for all of you all for supporting my podcast. Thank you so much for your support. I want to wish you all a happy new year, a happy saved new year. I hope you had a great 2021 and I hope you have an even better 2022. I will be back in the new year with new episodes every single Thursday as always. So make sure you tune in. See you next Thursday and happy new year.